0: Welcome back, everybody. I got a great guest today. Uh, I just recorded this with one of my dear friends, Auntie Peyton. Peyton Callahan, who we affectionately call Auntie, is um, the better half to Cal Callahan, John Callahan, who's been on this podcast and is the host of the Great Unlearned Podcast. Fucking phenomenal. Um these guys were like the really the first family that we met here in Austin when we moved out here four years ago to start working on it. And, um, we just fell in love with them. They, they are awesome, awesome people. And, uh, when I heard that Peyton had been working, uh, she's been a doula, she's given birth to three amazing kids. And when I heard that she had been working on a book for fathers to learn about their daughters and for husbands to learn about their partners, um, and for even, you know, for gay guys who have got sisters. I mean, for men to learn about women, um, I had to have her on. I was like, this is this is gonna be awesome. And you know, not just because I have a little girl now, but because I think it's an important conversation. We go all over the place in this podcast from uh the history of medicine to the differences between home birth and in the hospital. Um to what it's like working as a doula and a midwife. I mean, just all sorts of cool stuff. And then, really, what what fascinated them, me the most in her ebook is this discussion of the seasons, discussion of the archetypes that women go through, and uh, the lunar calendar. How the woman is perfectly linked up on the twenty nine day cycle. So, really, really cool shit in this podcast. It, Regardless if you have a daughter or not, or if you're not even planning to or any of that stuff, um, I learned a lot. And I absolutely love Peyton. And uh, I'll leave it there because I I shower her with love during the podcast and I don't want it to be overloved in the beginning and then overloved in the... I guess there's no such thing as overlove. I love you, Peyton. Thank you for coming on. Uh, This show is supported by y'all purchasing awesome products from my sponsors. And we, oddly enough, have all four are awesome supplement companies today. Sovereignty has been out of the game for a minute. They've been retuning. They've been, uh, rekindling the fire. They've been revamping their products. One of my all time favorite nootropics of all time, the single best one-stop shop for energy and nootropics is found in a product called purpose plus. And truly I've, I've meant that from the jump. I remember the original purpose, but, um, Look, this product's like nothing else. It really is. Have you ever reached for a cup of coffee knowing it's going to give you anxious jitters? Or an energy drink midday, knowing you're going to crash hard in a couple hours? You've tried every energy aid on the market but just can't seem to find the one that provides the perfect balance of energy and focus. Well, Purpose Plus is the solution you're looking for. Sovereignty has made a bioavailable drink that boosts your mood, gives you long-lasting energy, and helps you focus on what's important. We like to call it Zen Focus because you have comparable energy to a cup of coffee, but you're in a Zen state with calm clarity. So if you're wanting to perform better at work, improve test taking, work out harder, be present with your family, or just improve your cognitive retention, Purpose Plus is for you. And it's time for you guys to experience this. They've got a freaking whopper of a deal right now. Go to Sovereignty.co, that's S-O-V-E-R-E-I-G-N-T-Y dot C-O, and use code KKP. For 25% off Purpose Plus and Dream Plus. They're excellent sleeping aid. They have phenomenal components in here. It's one of the best, most well studied and documented and researched products I've ever taken in my life. And they're including the extra 5% off strictly for my listeners only. So check it all out. Sovereignty.co. We'll link to it in the show notes. Don't forget to use code KKP and you're gonna get 25% off Purpose Plus and Dream Plus. Love these guys. All right, we're also brought to you by my dudes at Bioptimizers. There are so many research benefits of having good fat in your diet, but there's just one little problem with all this healthy fat. If you can't properly digest the fat in your diet, you won't feel good. And a lot of people lack the one key nutrient needed to digest fat. Think about all the healthy fats most people eat. Probably you eat on a daily basis or weekly basis. Butter, avocados, fish oil, olive oil, MCTs, meat, nuts. You could go on and on. Without this special nutrient, the fat just sits in your stomach and creates a traffic jam, which causes you to feel sluggish, have low energy, and more likely for your calories to turn into fat. Because this critical nutrient is key to breaking down fat and making it usable by your body, without sufficient levels, undigested fats pass through your GI tract where they can produce greasy, fatty stools, constipation, and fatty liver. If you're on a keto, paleo, carnivore, or heavy meat and fat-based diet, you know what I'm talking about. The solution... It's a breakthrough new digestive product called Capex. This product comes from the same company that brought you Masszymes, P3OM, and many more amazing products from the company BiOptimizers. Capex is designed to rev up your cellular metabolism, which boosts your energy and capacity to burn fat as fuel. Combined with a solid diet and workout plan, this combination of nutrients delivers a powerful boost in your ability to shed weight and reach your body composition goals. Capex upgrades the way your body and cells function and is precisely formulated to help your body rewire itself in these three key ways. First of all, every ingredient performs a critical role. Second, Capex also gives you focused energy and drive for six to 10 hours from the time you take it. So don't take it after 5 PM. If you want to sleep that night and last but not least, they've included a patented ingredient called InnoSlim to increase this formula's ability to help you burn fatty acids by 100% inside the mitochondria mitochondria many of whom you heard me speak about are the energy factories of the cell they act like mini digestive system which takes in nutrients breaks them down and creates energy rich molecules for your cells to use simply stated capex breaks your dietary fat into fatty acids and then burns them up at a highly accelerated rate as fuel it's easily the most potent non-stimulant based energy product i've ever personally taken i highly suggest trying it for yourself check it out at www k-energize.com slash kingsboo that's k-e-n-e-r-g-i-z-e dot com forward slash k-i-n-g-s-b-u you'll automatically get 10% off any package of capex with the coupon code kingsboo10 all one word we're also brought to you today by organifi i've had my dude drew cannoli on the podcast who i simply love i've been on his podcast i've given I had a, uh, an amazing talk with their whole company at Organifi and I've gotten to know quite a few of them at Paul Check's painting workshops. These guys are incredible and the things they're doing that are incredible. Um, they really are trying to bridge the gap from what a healthy diet looks like in the modern world. How can I get superfoods and um, you know these extracts from such high quality ingredients and put them into something that actually tastes good and does not require me to pull out a juicing machine, to chop it all up, to mix it, to do all this stuff, and then have to clean that damn machine. That's a 30-minute process. No bueno. I remember the juicing days. Not fun. Um, The green juice is simply incredible. It's got a clinical-grade dose of ashwagandha and many other superfoods like moringa and things that I'm just not including in my diet. I'm not throwing moringa leaves on my hamburger, Um, but if I'm getting grass-fed beef and I know I want to balance that out, I'm going to want some really good high-end organic greens to go with that. The Organifi Red Juice is phenomenal as a pre-workout. It's got nitric oxide boosters and a whole host of organic mushroom compounds that tune the brain in and tune your cells on. Many, many, many great things here, but one of my all-time favorites from Organifi is the Organifi Gold. It's a nighttime drink for my wife and I. Sometimes if I'm a little cracky uh, from too much caffeine, I'll throw one down during the day, but typically we like to have this after dinner, We'll take some full-fat, heavy coconut cream, warm that up, and then spin in a scoop or two with a little uh, one of those little whisker jobbers and drink that. And it's got lemon balm extract and a whole bunch of other things that really help me relax and unwind in in the evenings before I go to bed. It's also got turmeric and a a lot of other ingredients, the ginger, uh, black piperine, that's gonna help you to lower systemic inflammation. It's gonna have a positive benefit on your brain over time. Check it all out, organifi.com. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash KKP and use code KKP for 20% off everything in their entire store. This stuff tastes phenomenal. You can use it anywhere on the road. I make a daily habit to have at least one or two servings a day of the greens as well as a serving of the gold at night. You guys are going to love it. Last but not least, we're brought to you by UpgradedFormulas.com. You can save 15% on your first purchase with code KKP15 at checkout. These guys are awesome. I had Barton Scott on this podcast as well, the uh, CEO and founder. They do a whole host of things at Upgraded Formulas. Number one, um, they do a hair mineral analysis test, and I, I can't overstate how important this test will be to see if you have a balanced approach to what you're taking. Is what you're taking working or not? Or are you imbalanced? The imbalances can really significantly affect you. I talked about having too high a sodium content in my diet. I love salt. I eat a lot of meat. It's good, but Without balancing that with potassium, uh, I was basically shutting my adrenals down during the day, especially when I'd enter into a sauna. So figuring this out really saved my ass energetically. And I don't mean that in a spiritual way. I mean like my actual physical, mental, emotional energy throughout the day would diminish significantly the second I entered a sauna with salt in my water. Uh, Figuring this out from the hair mental analysis helped me to balance that. And bam, I've got energy. It also helped to show me that I have really high levels of aluminum, which is mind blogging But um, that's a good impetus to do a metal detox program, which I've been doing, and I'm really excited to get retested here to see where those levels have gone to. All that said, you can learn out so you can learn so much about yourself from the upgraded hair test kit and consultation. And uh, these minerals that they created are phenomenal. They are down to the size of nanoparticles, which means every single one of them can fit within the cell quite easily. They have single one-offs like selenium, magnesium, and then they also have really good combo formulas like upgraded memory and uh, upgraded thyroid, which I absolutely love and take on a daily basis. Check it all out. You can get the test, consultation, and supplements at upgradedformulas.com and save 15% on your first purchase with code KKP15 at checkout. I appreciate you guys for tuning in. Please hit me up. Let me know what you think of this podcast with Peyton. Uh, I love her. And without further ado, here we go. Peyton Callahan, welcome to the podcast.
1: It's so great to be here. Hell yeah. I love spending time with you. Thank you.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. You, uh, You and Cal have become two of my favorite people in Austin since moving here. And I, I talked about my, I think Cal's been on, I know for certain once, but I think twice. Um, if not, we got to run it back. He's got the, <laughs> the, 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 is it the Great Unlearn? The
1: Great Unlearn, The Great Unlearn yeah.
0: podcast. And he's had these, I mean, I've gotten guests from him. He's introduced me to many great people, but yeah. I met him doing NAD here with Lance Armstrong, name drop, and Tim Ferriss, name drop. <laughs> I had on it and it was, it was awesome. And I didn't know who he was. And I was like, well, I know yeah. these guys are big names. Who was who this guy? And um, Cal and I hit it off. And mm-hmm. right when I had moved here, you know, we didn't bring family out. Of course, you know, this story inside mm-hmm. and out, but we didn't have family anywhere except for on the West coast. And you guys were the first mm-hmm. family that we got to like, it was really powerful for us yeah. to be around people yeah. who had kids Yeah, and People that were successful with kids, you know, there's a mm-hmm. lot of lot of parents out there that are just oh, fucking grinding, try. you know, like <laughs> yeah, you're a parent, but uh, <laughs> you're not doing it better than my parents did. Mm-hmm. Um, so to see how awesome you guys and uh, you know financial success aside, like successful as parents, successful mm-hmm. in family and home, um, really touched us. I, I told Tosh before we started dating how important the relationship before her was that I was dating a girl in college for six and a half years because I saw that was like the first unbroken family that I was around.
1: Interesting. And even
0: though it didn't work with her, I was like, oh, this is what it's like when parents can work out a disagreement wow. <laughs> without screaming, yeah. you know, it's mm-hmm. like, holy shit. It was so foreign. Cause even all my buddies, whether their parents remain together or not, like we'd mm-hmm. see shit hit the fan all the time. Yeah. You know, and that was like a working family. And um, that's what I felt when I was around you guys was like, wow, these guys are a working family and they're fucking cool. (laughs) You know, you didn't lose being cool. No, try
1: not to. In search
0: of parenting. So I want to dive into um, you're a Southern Belle. I I mean, I always want to get background. (laughs) So what was life like growing up? Where are you from?
1: Yeah. So I'm from um, Louisiana. Louisiana. And, um, you know, my parents were high school sweethearts. They grew up in in the country. Um, I love going home to, you know, in Louisiana, they have this red clay and the smell of the pine trees. So this is Northern Louisiana. And um, so I grew up you know, riding four-wheelers, you know, we played tag with my cousins where, you know, you like had to hit each other with the four-wheeler <laughs> and then they were it. Like, you know, and at night running through like cornfields playing hide and seek in the pitch dark, like you couldn't be afraid of the dark because that you, you we were just in it all the time. Um, so I have a very strong connection to nature, you know, that is my safe space. Um you know, I lived in Chicago for a bit, and that was really hard for me. 16 years being in a city is when I realized how much growing up in a country meant to me and how that was ingrained in my in my spirit and how much I needed it. And so, you know, when my husband and I had lived in Chicago for so long and, and we had contemplated moving. I'm like, I need grass and I need trees. Like I knew that at that point in my life that I I just felt like I was slowly bleeding out. And that is what my, my body needed. That was the medicine I needed. So we made our way to Austin. I have grass, I have trees. I started coming back to life. Anyway, I digress, but, um, Yeah. I am a country girl. I love mud. I love dirt. I love ponds. Um, yeah.
0: Talk about that time in Chicago. I mean, kind of bring us up to where Mm -hmm. we're at. You guys have three incredible kids, Mm -hmm. two boys and a beautiful little girl. Um, and they're all, I mean, (laughs) I want to dive into the the book that you have, this Mm ebook. That's why you're on the podcast. But, um, it it cracks me up when people have advice for kids and they don't have kids or if they have Mm. one, like, sorry. I mean, yeah, it helps that you're a parent. You have one kid, you're a parent, but like to have three kids and then to have them all at these prime ages,
1: yeah,
0: right. Prime (coughs) ages, Bowen just got his driving permit. (laughs) Jake is Mm -hmm. getting ready for college. Like, um, you're, you're in the thick of it. And because we're over quite a bit, like we can see it working. So again, like that's, I want to qualify you to the utmost because it really does matter. matter And I, and I see you guys. Um, What was life like in Chicago? You guys started your family there. We
1: did start our family there. So I met my husband, Cal, um, who Kyle's referenced um, in Chicago. um, And we didn't have family near us um, living in Chicago. We started having children and, um, that's where we really learn the necessity of community. That's where I learned. I, I no longer, my mother was no longer living. And so, you know, I, I just remember when I got pregnant, I'm like, well, how do I, like, how do I become a mother without, the, like, a mom? Like, who's going to tell me what to do? Like, well, I don't, you know, I don't know how to do this. And um, I, I didn't know how to do it. You know, we, we have everything we need, need within us. And um, so it really, it honestly kind of gave me the freedom without like being told what to do from, a, a, you know, a parental figure, authority figure to figure it out my way, you know. And um, so that was a blessing that I had just to, to try to figure it out and then draw upon the resources I had incredible women in our community to, to mother me and guide me. So, you know, I wasn't without uh, this incredible guidance for these women, um, and these, these men who were like uncles to my kids. Um, so we were very blessed with community in Chicago. Um, we had our three kids there, three very different births, three very different kids. Um, and, you know, raised them with the help of our friends. You know?
0: Yeah, it sounds like a lot that a lot a lot of the uh similarities with what mm-hmm. we're doing. Absolutely. You know? By necessity, really. Yeah.
1: And then you really understand the importance and um showing up for people. It was really hard for me as a new mom to accept help. I felt like I had to do it all by myself. Um because, and it's not that I didn't trust other people. I just, and I don't know if I just needed to prove it to myself that I could do it by myself, but I felt, well, for me, I felt like it was a weakness if I didn't do it all by myself, you know? And um, so I would have these incredible women say, hey, Peyton, we're going to come over, you know, and just, we'll hold the baby. You go for a walk, and I couldn't do it. The first time I just sat and talked. And then, you know, I felt like I had to host or I had to do things or I, you know, I felt uncomfortable because I didn't know how to receive that. Um, and then about like the third time she came over, she's like, okay, this time you're not going to stay and talk. You're going to go. Are you going to sleep? Are you going to walk? Um, so this, these were the influences I was receiving as a new mom, as I was trying to find my own way. They were incredible, right?
0: Yeah. Massive help.
1: Massive help.
0: When did you get into work as a doula?
1: Oh, my goodness. Okay, so I think I've always been obsessed with pregnant women. Like,
0: <laughs> same fascinated. <laughs> like, I,
1: I I tell the story. There was this—I um, my I was at one of my brother—I had an older brother, and I was at one of his, um, like, football games, and I was at the park playing. And my mom introduced me to this woman who was pregnant, and she was like, you know— nice and ripe and round. And my mom said, Oh, you know, this is, and she has a baby growing in her belly. And I'm like, what? Like (laughs) lift up her shirt, you know, and I'm trying to see this baby. Like, and so I I remember from that day on, it was like, fascinating. Tell me about babies. How how do babies get there? How do babies come out? Um, But yeah, so I got pregnant uh, along with a couple of my friends and how I really got into it, my friend called me, she was going in labor, it was her first child, and this is one of my first, you know, close friends who started having babies, and um, I had driven Cal to work that early that morning, and I just drove to the hospital where she was giving birth, and go, and I'm in there with her and her husband, uninvited, just for the record, <laughs> I just showed up, and... um just started rubbing her back and, and I was just there. And to the point where, when, when she was like about to start pushing, the, the doctor asked me to step out. Like I had, was just clueless, like unaware that maybe I shouldn't even be part of this whole, you know, process. Cause I love, I was just in it, love it. It's fascinated. Um, and, and the, the woman really loved me being there. You know, and so that then I had another friend go in labor. I'm back at the hospital, and this daughter pulls me aside. He's like, Hey, I've seen you here a few times. Um, You know, you could just do this. And I'm like, Do what? He's like, Just support women in childbirth. Like, what? I could just come here and help them? That's a thing. Like, what? (laughs) And um, one of my closest friends who lived next door to us was a midwife. So she started training me and mentoring me. Teaching me, I I took a doula course. Then I was pregnant and had a baby. Called my my best friend and I said, "Hey, I just I, I want you there with me." And in that moment, you know, I had Cal. Cal was there with me. My friend Nicole was there. I I felt the difference. I felt the strength that I drew upon with her, just her presence. She had never had a child. She was pregnant at the time. And I just remember leaning into her and us being like head-to-head head through contractions and just feeling that connection and power just from woman to woman. And so then I understood the importance of being with other women during that process. Train, untrain, we know. It's, it's such an innate knowledge for us to know how to support other women during this process. Um, and then so I just started doing it. And loving it, and then I had incredible obstetricians and midwives who would, who would teach me and explain things, and I would ask questions. And so, um, you know, I, I I chose not to go to midwifery school because I love the like the long haul, and it may be something I do one day. But I I loved learning everything about you know, becoming a midwife, but I wanted, you know, I wanted to be at home. I wanted the two day event where they had continuity of care. Yeah. You know, I wanted to be with them after and assist with nursing and supporting the mom and make sure she's getting the food. So, um, yeah, it, it just found me like all things in life.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's it's funny because I I I don't know that I was obsessed with pregnant people, pregnant women prior to birth, but like the moment Tosh was pregnant with Bear, it was just like like the switch goes on, and I was like, holy shit, you know, like you're you have life growing inside you. You know, like it just changed changed the way that I saw every pregnant woman. And I remember joking, I was like, man, I'm really attracted to pregnant women. I don't know if it's like a Maybe this will pass, and it never passed. It's just like if I see a woman Mm -hmm. glowing while she's pregnant, and she's like the most beautiful thing being on the planet. Yeah, yeah.
1: Just it's creation in human form, Mm -hmm. right? It's it's her creative essence at its peak. It's so beautiful.
0: Yeah, there's nothing really. There's nothing like it. So you wrote this book. It's 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 uh it's dedicated to fathers who mm-hmm. are having a daughter. And yeah. I love that because we've got little Wolfie now.
1: Yes. And
0: it's it's uh it's funny because I have nieces, you know, that I've I've watched from like 11, 12, 13, 14 and I'm like, "Oh, fuck." Like going through puberty. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, yeah. "Oh man. Well, all right, we'll cross that bridge when we have to." Um and you know, so much of of your book is designed to bridge the gap. for for dads and to to know like it's you know it's it's a beautiful ebook but it really bridges the gap on what's coming and how to care how to offer your care and to not you know feel like fuck what do i do right yeah and low-key as we said before the podcast for all of you listening right now that don't have kids and don't have a daughter uh low-key it's gonna tell you uh, a bit about your partner a bit about your woman if you're heterosexual and um even if you're not, like I have a sister, right? Yeah, I could be absolutely. gay. Yeah, you know, it doesn't matter. You know, like you're going right. to interact with the opposite sex and it's a beautiful tool to, to understand that better, to understand, you know, uh, half the population better. Break down some of these cycles, you know, as we, I, I mean, you, I guess you just walk us through. Yeah. Um you know the stages of puberty and the stages sure. of a woman's life and how the the seasons work with that sure. because this is fascinating to me.
1: Yeah. And I want to back up just a a teeny yeah. bit. So, you know, I worked for years as a birth doula and and what prompted all of this is I I realized one how how very little I knew about my own body until I started having babies. And then in in attending births, witnessing women in in this process i realized how very little they knew about their bodies and um I'm like what why why are we just learning this out and, and i'm fascinated right the 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 miraculousness of our body i was just in awe of what a woman could do especially on our high harvest day of giving birth like in awe, and I'm like, why? Why don't I know this? Why don't they know this? And also, had a had a daughter at that time. So, um, well, what really set me off was our oldest child, Jake, was in fifth grade, and they were about to do sex, the sex talk, quote unquote, right? And I remember a parent stood up, and she said to the teacher who teaches like you know english <laughs> thank you so much for handling this awkward conversation for us and and i remember just like looking around like what? wait who said awkward that? <laughs> <laughs> and like and why why are we deferring this to someone who teaches english like and and why is it awkward why why can't we are the closest people to our children why are we not facilitating this conversation And why is it uncomfortable for us? And so, I I came home that day, and I remember telling Cal, like, "What? Like, we need to write a book about this. Like, we are. We need to like do something." And um, I'm like, "Okay, I'm going to write a program for young girls." And as I'm writing this program for young girls, it's called "Become: Awakening to the Purpose and Power of Your Period." I realized it's a mother-daughter program. So the intention of the program was to Awaken the daughter and inform the daughter. Heal the mother. Because so many women were not taught about their bodies and maybe have a disconnection with their own body um, or even this process, even at birth, like being afraid of their partner to see certain things or, you know, the scent of birth. Um. What, you know, what is he going to think of me if I'm moaning? I mean, these are real deep-seated fears or embarrassment because, you know, a woman's birth, like, she doesn't want clothes on often. And then it's, like, conflicting, like, oh, I feel like I need to be covered, but, you know, and primarily, she doesn't want, you know, she wants to just be in her essence. And um, so you're seeing all these things, and and so I—, I I teach a mother-daughter course to um help girls better understand about their periods and about puberty and about their changing bodies and, and what it can can offer them. And um I had a few dads say, Well, hey, what about us? <laughs> yeah. You know, I had a single dad reach out to me and say, I'm I'm terrified, like I I don't know what to do. My, my daughter is, you know, ripping baby dolls' heads off. And um, I, I really want to be in touch with her, and I want to support her and guide her, and I don't know what to say. You know, and then I had another dad tell me, say, you know, my, um, my oldest daughter recently started her cycle, and I wanted to do something. I wanted to say something. So I, I went and asked my wife. I said, you know, is there something I could do or say? And she goes, no. You're a man. This is none of your business. You're not going to say a thing. And he felt so shut out from that connection with his his daughter and he didn't know what to do, so he he didn't do anything. Because that's what he was being told. You know, and then I have other other men like my husband who said, "Just tell me more." Like you. "Tell me more." This is fascinating. I want to know more about the women in my life. I want to know more about how I can support my daughter when she grows older, so thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah! Yes, yeah, so here we go. We have an ebook now called "She Comes, A Dad's Guide to His Developing Daughter," and um, the way yes. Women, we have these beautiful cycles. You know, we talk a lot about our circadian rhythm, right? Like follow, and, and I know you do a ton with all your biohacking and just tuning in to optimization of your body. Um, and and most of us learn about like the daily cycle, but women, we follow a monthly cycle as well. And it's very beautiful. And, and the way I, I best relate it to... The young girls are are through the seasons, right? We follow the rhythm of nature. And in in the season, we have winter, spring, summer, fall, right? And so for a woman who goes through um, when her menstrual cycle is initiated um, during puberty, um, she goes through all these seasons each month, right? So winter being... um, when she's shedding, when she's bleeding, right? She's more, uh, she hibernates within, you know, our dream time increases during this time. Did you know that? Mm -mm. Yeah. Our dream time increases, which is why a lot of the indigenous cultures um, would, would rest when the women were bleeding because they knew that they were like getting downloads from source. They were highly intuitive and so they would offer guidance to the community. Um, so winter, right, a little more withdrawn in, um, we're needing warming foods, we're wanting to rest, then we start slowly emerging into the season of spring, this would be kind of like our second week in our menstrual cycle where, you know, things are starting to come to life, you know, we're... Our energy is perking up a little bit. Um, we're more active. Um, then we start stepping into summer. And what is summer, right? We're glowing. We are, like, ripe, right? Um, we're ready to give life to things, right? Um, we're more social. We're flooded with, with these hormones that make us um, more social. And, you know, they've done, like, studies about— like even waitresses who who were ovulating right during their their summer season, and full um moon. yeah, exactly. it's the time of the full moon, and well, I'd love to go back to that um they would receive more tips like not even knowing just the pheromones and just a glow that a woman's having during this time of ovulation and then moving Your husbands
0: <laughs> getting slapped why do you leave her that kind of no! tip there's just something about her, her. i don't know she's yeah. so nice you didn't, you didn't feel that she was a great waitress <laughs> 25% tip now you don't have to slap <laughs> up <laughs> now you can just appreciate with them yes
1: honey give her mm-hmm. a, be- great, a better tip um, but then moving into the the season in a fall, right? The just things are starting to shed. This is this is the season where um where if a if a woman is not following her own rhythm, she may start feeling a little symptomatic, which I call, you know, symptoms or signals. Our body is constantly trying to communicate with us emotionally, physically, energetically, what it needs. Right, and so we we have these symptoms try to tell us what needs attention and what it needs, um, and so if a woman's not following her own rhythm, then she may start feeling more symptomatic. Right, she's also at a, at a point in this season where, um, you know, she's like she's not putting up with the shit. Have she, you know if she's asked you to take out the trash for the past few weeks past, you know, a couple weeks and you didn't just like, all right, all right, I'll do it. I'll do it. Now, like there's a little more directness. Like I've I've asked you to take out the damn trash, like just take out the damn trash or you come home and it's like all over your front yard.
0: (laughs) Right. It's
1: like, no, 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 no. I'm done. I'm done. Right. And so sometimes we can perceive that as being bitchy. I call it being more direct. Like we're fine. We're like at the point where like we're asking for what we need. Right, um, which can feel very wild for some people, but um, and then we we move back into that that season of winter, right? Which is, um, you know, it's a season of of death of darkness, but it's what breeds this fertile ground for us to start over. And so, yeah, for a woman, that's what's so beautiful about a rhythm of a woman is that um, each month we get to go through these cycles. We get to go through these cycles throughout the year with the seasons. And we go through these cycles throughout our lifetime and our life cycle. You know, so we start, you know, we start emerging as the young maiden you know, always picture like you know someone carefree and running through the daisy fields, and you know, <laughs> flower dresses. Yes, totally. And um, we're very carefree, and we're just—it's—it's it's just beautiful, right? We're just—we're—we're we're emerging and blooming, and then um, we move into our seasons of becoming a mother. Whether that—that that is mothering a, a child, whether that's mothering a career. Um, you know, we want to create this nest for ourselves and we want to care for that. And, um, and then, you know, we're like, okay, we've, we've done that. And now this is kind of the season I'm in. So, right a little more of the wild woman so we have this maiden we have the mother and we have the the wild woman the enchantress and this is where I am in my my life season which my husband would say is terrifying (laughs) (laughs) he came in one day and he said well honey I just um you know I come into the kitchen and and I don't know who I'm gonna get and I go well how do you think I feel like <laughs> I come into the kitchen. I don't know who I'm gonna get. Like, you know, I'm going through this huge transition that I know is so important, but it's a little erratic. It it's it's also the same cycle of birth. Think about when Tosh was given birth, right? We have this early labor, maiden, active labor, mother transition what do we see happen oh we've been following this nice beautiful rhythm we've got it we got it we start going through this transition right before she gives birth and it it's rocky it's like oh wait what just happened like I had this whole rhythm I had it down I was good and and life gives us this like shoulder shake like okay now it's time it's time for you to start giving birth to your sacred gifts. So, in th- so in this life cycle, right? We've we've mothered our careers, our babies, and 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 the universe will give us this little sh- shoulder shake. I like to call it a- our crisis or something that's making sure we're being in alignment with what we're here to offer, the wisdom we're here to offer, and what we're, we're here to give birth to um, spiritually, energetically, right? So it's very interesting. Astrologically, the Uranus opposition lines up at about 42, where a lot of women are kind of coming out of this mothering phase into this next life cycle transition. And we start seeing big changes around that time. Right? And then we start moving into... um, our life cycle of winter, the crone phase, which, you know, can sometimes have a negative connotation for some women. And I think our culture has perpetuated that, you know. Um, I think our culture has made us afraid of growing older. And we see it in in menopausal symptoms, you know. We don't have to experience all these symptoms. We're experiencing them because we're we're rejecting a part of us that needs to happen. Right? We're afraid. Why? Because you know, are we still attractive? Are we still desirable? Her husband's still going to, you know, are we still fuckable? I mean, like honestly, this is what comes up for women. We're terrified of it. You know, we're not taught like Oh, no, 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 this is what the community needs. Like as you growing older, now it's time to share your gifts with all these other women. Now it's time to share your wisdom. Now it's time to to start offering, you know, what you have to give to, to our community and to the world. And we need you to be this fertile ground to then give birth, you know, to new cycles of life. Um, and in a culture that's like, we're done with you, you're done having babies, we're not attracting you, we're not going to pay attention to you anymore, no wonder women are, you know, experiencing the symptoms they're experiencing during menopause. So, um, yeah, I'm I'm really hoping that we can start shifting that narrative where women aren't so afraid of growing older anymore, and they're really proud to step into that season.
0: Yeah. It's a fear Tosha's has talked to me many times about, you know, and I'm like, really? You're fucking a smoke show and you're in your, yeah. your mid thirties. What are you worried about that? You know, and she's, just, it's, there's always, it doesn't matter how old you get. And I've joked about that. Like, yeah, it's kind of perverted to see the old man looking at the young girl. And it's like, but he doesn't look in the mirror and see an 80 year old. He's still himself inside and he can recognize beauty. And I'm not,
1: <laughs> well, I think the that's P-word also just side, being, right? like, being vital. Yeah, you're like, being vital. A, a, but like for, from a woman's beauty. standpoint,
0: from a woman's standpoint, to to fear the trajectory of that path, knowing there's always a young woman that's hot, mm-hmm. right? And it's like, but mm-hmm. but to walk the trajectory is hot, you know. And I've had yeah. two mushroom journeys where I've seen Tosh, I've seen her face at every every stage of the arc, mm. like super young teenager Mm -hmm. and right now and, you know, what's to come with the wild woman. And then as an old ass woman with hella wrinkles and it's (laughs) almost like, you know, like it's like a hologram where like you (laughs) took a hologram sticker, you look at it dead on, it looks one way and then you shift to the right, it looks a different way. You shift to the left, it looks a different way. That's happened on two separate journeys and it blows my mind because she's number one, that's a cool experience, but number two, (laughs) um, she is stunning at every stage of the game. Stunning.
1: You hear that, Tush? you know?
0: Absolutely, and we've had we've had a, a couple of members in fit for service that were just natural beauties and let their hair go gray. And I was like, "Damn, she's fucking hot. The gray hair is hot. The whole thing is hot. Like it's just it's awesome." And um, and you're right. You know, I've talked about many times on this podcast the difference between an elder and an older. And the elder, and Chuck even talked about this on a recent uh, YouTube video he did. with The elder takes the gifts that they've learned and all it's everything. It's all the fuck ups, the failures. That's the gift, right? It's their entire life experience alchemized into the deliverables that they give back Mm. as the wise elder. Yeah. And as long as that is harnessed in that way and understood in that way through alchemy, then they can deliver every shitty experience and every good experience as medicine for the tribe. But you know, if they if they if they lived a life of someone else's dream, mm-hmm. if they were told you'll be happy in retirement, bust your ass now for sixty years, Yeah. if they were told uh, you'll be happy in heaven, but to, this life is gonna suck ass, you know, like that. That's also a fallacy, oh, right? Yeah. So you live this life of someone right. else's, like
1: suffering, telling, yeah. yeah, someone
0: else's telling, and then you get to a point where eventually, through crisis. You wake up to the, the, my whole life has been a lie. My whole life has been a mistake. And if yeah. it's not alchemized, then you become yeah. an older one who's mm. bitter, one who no longer has a zest for life, one who wants to stay to themselves and not deliver anything back because the bitterness is too much. Mm. And I see those as pretty clear differences. I mean, there's grumpy old men. It's like a sure. it's like a comedy about yeah. American asshole grandparents. Yeah. You know, they're just they're elders. They're not elders. You know, but it's not it's not to say that one can't even shift from an older into an elder it's what they do with that inside but all that to say on this long ass rant yeah,
1: I love this. is
0: that the trajectory is unavoidable yeah it's unavoidable and what we can surrender to and say yes to is part of the alchemy process that allows us to be in service and to deliver that yes. and become an elder yeah right and it's so important for women uh, yeah. especially to let go of the the ideas around what is beauty yeah. You know, is it looking like a 20-year-old that's that has literally an assisted body through plastic surgery or is it to to say yes to the wrinkles, to say yes to Um, gravity, taking certain things in certain directions. I mean, and and I'm not, you know, do what you want to do, right? Like do what you want to do. But but
1: own your crone.
0: Mm -hmm. Own the crone. I love (laughs) that. Own the crone.
1: You know, um, I'm not, are you familiar with the work of Dr. Mario Martinez? Yes. He's so he. Yes. I, right when
0: you got, right when you guys got his book, um, you and Cal told me about it and okay. I bought it and listened to it.
1: So he what I love about his work, he, he coined the term a biocognition, but he talks about in his in his work. He's a neuropsychologist who studies cultural anthropology and and cultural neuroscience. But he um so he basically studies how culture cultural belief affects our biology, essentially. And so he feels that that's the missing piece. If we're not studying how our cultural ideations and agreements, um, if, if we're not looking at how those are influencing our current um, health, then, then we're missing a mark there. So he, he coined the term biocognition, but, but he talks about in his work um, that in cultures who really embrace growing older— they had the higher um, had a higher number of centenarians in their cultures, which are people who live to be over a hundred, um, so really like not resisting this change, and um, you know I I personally truly believe that's why women experience so many um, symptoms menstrual. Irregular irregularities irregularly and thank you. I'm like, why is the word not he coming out? <laughs> <laughs> uh, menstrual dysfunction, infertility. I mean, let's look at our infertility right now. Oh, like we're we're in a bit of a crisis mode here. Um, but I really believe this is why women are experiencing so many symptoms is because we've been taught to hurt. You know, what is it like when you're Starting, you're going through puberty and you're you start your menstrual cycle, and and now you're having body modifications or isolation, um, or you're not allowed in, in church anymore, or I mean, look at our medical sy- uh, system. The word pudendum, which is our external genitalia, means to be ashamed of. Uterus it's from the word hysteria, like. Even in our medical symptoms, like we we've been when communicated all these messages, that when when we have this happen to us, it's a threat, and and so we start developing these symptoms. So I, I truly believe that we've been taught to hurt, and it really is going to take um, a shift in our beliefs to to shift our biology, and and that includes a cultural belief, a shift in our cultural beliefs, and in um, learning the rhythms of a woman, learning the importance of a menstrual cycle, not trying to shut it off through medications, like learning how to work with it, right? Learning how to attune to it, learning how to um, support your body through herbs and food and movement and rest, right? We, We have an opportunity here. As a culture, and I think we have a responsibility to to shift our biology here because we have to for the for the future of our you know humanity.
0: Yeah, I forget the name of it. It's the Clive Owen movie. You know where he's like, uh,
1: oh, wait.
0: You know the one where the The Nick? No one knows. No one can have. No one can have kids. It's in the future, Mm -hmm. and there's like very few left that can actually produce children. Somebody help me out here. I won't hear you. Oh,
1: I don't know.
0: <laughs> you know, it's great anytime I, I come up. But with, I love the a... Nick. Yeah. Have you seen that? Uh-uh.
1: Oh, it's about the... Oh, you got to watch this. It's about the um the medical system in the early 1900s. So the the creation of hospitals and ambulances and what that looked like.
0: Did they get into Kellogg and any of the weird shit that he was into?
1: They... they you remember that? They, that
0: there was... Uh, they There's get into eugenics? Movie, the Road to Wellville. Yeah, eugenics is... They,
1: they touch banned. on all of that? They touch on...
0: <laughs> yeah, eugenics is the thing where it's like it's... it's it's. I've said it... I'll, I'll keep saying it because it's still quite prominent, but like eugenics is something that my understanding was like it was Hitler's thing. Mm. And it didn't exist before Hitler and it hadn't existed after Hitler. And that is so far from the mm-hmm. truth. Like it... it, it a big proponent of eugenics and the idea around that started coming out with uh, Darwin and one of Darwin's main guys where they were like, Oh, this is how uh, evolution works. How can we influence that? Right. And how can we actually change that? And, and that's where like the breeding programs through dogs, the breeding programs through slaves, the breeding programs through, you name it, all was birthed around that idea that we could make it better Mm. and um i mean even in dune i'm i'm, I'm obsessing over dune right now i love the movie i'm in book four out of six and there's breeding programs in every fucking book they talk about it you know like it's it's like it's a huge part of it the Benny Gesserit and the different you know the different groups of people that have their own breeding program to to try to optimize and make the best version of human you know so like on paper from like a Biohacking dork or you know something like that. You're like, oh, I get it. You're, like, I want the biggest dog. I had an English Mastiff. Okay, I get it. But what do we miss there? You know, like what what gene transcription gets fucked up in using CRISPR? Because I do, I want blue eyes. Like what what happens to me downstream from that? Right? Does my does. Is having an English Mastiff that lives to eight years old the right thing Mm. versus having, you know, a mutt like Guapo that's going to live till he's 20, Mm. you know, Guapo man. So those are all, those are all factors of big conversation, but yeah, like the, the, the early medicine is just (laughs) mind blowing. It is mind blowing. All right. I got to check it out. I couldn't
1: remember your Clive Owen movie, but do check that out. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And Kellogg, what a fucking weird guy that guy was, but then, you know, I think about that in the road to Wellville. People want to just blank slate, um, uh, not blank slate, but just, you know, broad brush it to Christianity and early Christianity and some of the different major religions and clearly Islam, like the Abrahamic religions, as far as, you know, where this sharp turn happened around womanhood and sexuality and things like that. And they can take a fair, a fair lump of the load when it comes to that, right? Um, But... We have a lot of people early on in medicine that played a huge factor in that, oh, right? Yeah. And they talk about that. And the road to Wellville is funny, but there's big ass books that are more documentary style on the life of Kellogg, who made Kellogg cereal. He made Kellogg cereal bland as could be to try to influence people from masturbating and specifically women. And he had all sorts of weird shit I the guy don't was into, know right? Story. That's um, fascinating. the first, the first. Vibrators were made by Hamilton, uh, Hamilton Beach, the the blender company. Mm. Yeah, like you make a margarita with a Hamilton Beach blender. Yeah, they made they made the first vibrators. The medical term was hysteria. Yeah. So if you were a horny female with a normal working body, you'd go see the doctor, and they have monopoly. They'd put on a glove, and they would exercise the lady's clitoris until she had an orgasm, and like that that was it. Like you, that was your doctor's visit. Mm. And, and if, if a woman spoke out or did anything yeah. that wasn't like bl- laying down for the man, then she's hysterical, send her yeah. to the doctor, right? And it's right. like, you look through that history and it's, it's fucking wild. Yeah. And that too, and I've often said like Nazi Germany wasn't that long ago. Mm-hmm. When you think about human evolution, it, it happened yesterday. The same thing is true with, with the birth of this country and the medicine we practiced here. You know, it's, yeah. it's way, way off. And yeah. so we're building on the backs of that where we're at today. Yeah, so having we, words like this, you know, like as you're describing, um, it doesn't surprise me there, yeah. you know?
1: Well, and we, we got rid of women as, as, as healers, right? Mm-hmm. And, um, with the formation of hospitals, we got rid of midwives, right? And so, um, that was a really difficult time for women giving birth, right? Um, so if you go and look back on, on birth history and what that looks like, but now we we are seeing a resurgence of, of the midwifery model of care. And um, we are seeing a resurgence of herbalism and... Um, so I think we've realized, like, oh, you know, you know we, we're so out of touch with our body. We've deferred to these experts, and now we need to get back to ourselves. We need to learn a- about ourselves. We need to learn how to support our bodies, and nature knows best. And, um, and we're really, I think, starting to see that again. I'm seeing a rise in home births. Like, I mean, you had a home birth. I, we had a home birth with our, our third child— That was almost 15 years ago and it was almost unheard of. You know, I was like one of the, me and one other friend who lived in, you know, (laughs) it was like, what? You know, I didn't tell anyone we were doing it because I didn't want to hear. So I told everyone after the fact, but it wasn't like I had support during based on my decision. You know, as a doula, I would attend maybe one a year home birth. And so, so we're seeing this again, and we're, we're, you know, we're taking um, charge of our our bodies again, and and making those decisions rather than deferring to experts. And no, 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 you know, you know best. You know your body best. You are the expert of your body.
0: Yeah, absolutely. There's so many things that, from having Bear at Stanford Children's Hospital, mm-hmm. which is one of the best in the world, yeah. to having Wolf at home. With a local midwife, where it was just like night and day difference. Like, how, uh, and you know this, of course, but explaining for people who have not experienced both sides of that coin um, the ultrasounds that you use to view a baby are a really high frequency. And it's not a good thing to get those every time you go see the doctor. Uh, they talk about this in the Nourishing Traditions book of Baby and Child Care by Sally Fallon and Thomas Cowan, who we had on recently. And it just makes sense when you understand that. And there is science that validates that, but like, okay, well then how do I make sure my baby's head's in the right position? The midwife could maneuver by palpating the stomach, the baby into the exact right position. I was like, get the fuck out. And then she'd put my hands and she's like, feel, here's the head, here's a foot, like perfectly normal, you know? And like, could tell exactly the position at every stage of the game. And we, I remember Tasha asking like, why is it like the doctors don't know this anymore? She said, they used to all know this, but technology replaced the need for that, you know, and the technology comes at a cost, unfortunately, okay. right? Well, and then so, we're,
1: we're taught to watch the machines and not the, the woman. Mm-hmm. The woman will tell us and guide us throughout the whole process, at least from from a, a birth assistant. Like, like the machines are such a distraction and can sometimes cause harm when you're only watching that and you're not watching the rhythm of her body in labor. And yes, a, a woman um reached out to me recently. Um her her baby was transverse, so sideways, and she was very close to her due date and um she's like, "Do you have any tips uh, for for my it was her sister." And I go, "Well, <clears throat> yeah, <laughs> you know, I'm not her doctor, but how about um, you know, maybe try some inversions to get baby out of the inlet a bit. And then, you know, to to move baby, gotta move mama. And so um I'm like walking upstairs, walking like a duck. Like so the inversions, right? To get draw baby up, get her the baby a little out, and then the certain movement I get a text a week later, baby's, baby's head down engaged. She was able. They were scheduling a cesarean, mm. and this was just you know a little text and an idea. I said you know make sure you're feeling comfortable and, and that feels right for you and whatever. I gave her some things to 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 read. There's a website I reference a ton called um, Spinning Babies. They're a great resource for mothers and for birth workers. But um, yeah, they had scheduled a cesarean for this mother. And she, she moved her baby like that in a week and was able to have a vaginal birth, a very beautiful, a very easy vaginal birth.
0: Yeah, the C section thing is, is mind blowing too. My sister had her kids at Kaiser, and I was really adamant, like, because she was, you know, she gained a lot of weight in her first um, pregnancy, that, you know, like, hey, there's a lot of science here that shows it's really important for vaginal birth and there's some things that you can do to enhance the microbiome Mm -hmm. if you need to do c-section so it's not like your child's lost they're going to have asthma and eczema and all these other things like no that's not it and it's not to say that that's not the best decision in some certain circumstances but the rates at which hospitals perform this procedure is insane it's mind-blowing and um there that has a financial incentive for that and I figured that out when we were, when my my sister was like, no, we're at Kaiser. They have the lowest uh, C-section rate in the country. And I was like, how's that? She's like, it's significantly lower. And she goes, because they do their own insurance. Mm-hmm. So they don't make yeah. money. Oh. They don't make money from doing the C-section. It costs them money. So when you invert it, when you invert the insurance and I fucking blew my mind, I was yeah. like, holy shit. I'm,
1: I'm a little mind blown here.
0: Yeah. yeah, and, yeah and, and wow. so like, that's a, it's a that's a big deal, you know, and I was there, I was with my sister for um, my first nephew's birth and I had one leg hoisted up with, uh, don't get mad, Kendra, with, uh, with my brother-in-law, Matt. And, uh, and we were looking at Matt and we're both just pale-faced and I'm like, push, push, they had the suction cup going and they finally got him out. He had a little cone head for a couple of weeks, but it was awesome. She did fucking great. Yeah. Um, but that, you know, any other hospital they would have gone to C-section mm. without question because of how long it took and how hard it sure. was to push through. And it was like, but we got this kid out. Yeah. You know, it wasn't the old fashioned way per se when you put in the suction cup, but still like we did it yeah. the natural way, yeah. as natural as we could and um, avoided the C-section and only would have happened there mm. or at the house. Right. But there's things like that where I'm like, because of the money game, mm. so much has been influenced yeah. in a way that it doesn't need be. And be, and. Even just from, a, um, you know, we really do, I'm going to backtrack just a second. When you were talking about changing our beliefs, changing our biology,
1: yeah.
0: Dr. Bruce Lipton sure. wrote The Biology of Belief yeah. and really studied this. Um, but one of the things he said was, we give our power away at birth. And I was like, whoa, all right. You know, He, he dives into and dispenses it as the same, how we're programmable, really programmable from the second trimester to seven years old. We're just sponges, right? Brainwaves yep. are in a different state. And he's like, well, every time you got sick, what did you do? Unless you had like a pretty dope mom, mm-hmm. you likely went to see the doctor, yep. right? You saw the guy in the white lab coat. And most kids w- weren't caught by their dad or their auntie. Mm-hmm. They were caught by the dude in the white lab coat, yeah. which was then handed to mom after, you know, minutes being away, being cleaned and all these things. Rather than just being brought right to mom's bare skin immediately, you know? And so if you track that back, like it paints a pretty clear picture going forward. Yeah. Oh, shit, I'm in trouble. This guy this knows guy. what to do. He Let me go to him. Yeah. 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 And look no further than our modern health crisis yeah. <laughs> of what people do now, as yeah. opposed to just taking it upon themselves and saying, health is my responsibility, yeah. right? It's my responsibility. There's a term I wanted to ask you about. I know I'm jumping around here, but no, there's a term I, I want to ask you about. I have a neighbor. Who had a home birth and um, he's telling me about it and he's a really cool guy, he blows glass, and uh, and I was like, um I was like, Who'd you guys use for your midwife? And he's like, Oh, and he paused for a second <laughs> and uh and I looked at him and I was like, You guys didn't use a midwife. And so there's some term for it, like a free like birth. Free birth yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, that's where the term. The, uh, Tell unassisted. me about that. Unassisted. Yeah.
1: Um, yeah, so and we're seeing a rise of this, just unassisted birth where it's just the partners. Um and so it's just trusting the body and trusting the baby and transferring to hospital if needed, but it's without, um, without guidance of a midwife or, or anyone. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, this is, how, this is how we used to do it, right?
0: <laughs> well, we did have a tribe there at <laughs> Ooh, least. You know, we had a tribe, some, yeah. There were some elders around.
1: Yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, to each their own. I mean, that's... It's, it's becoming an option. And I think people, it's becoming an option because people are so fed up with what happens to a woman when, when she enters a hospital, you know, when a woman transfers to a hospital, I always try to keep a woman home as long as possible. I'm, I'm not practicing as a doula right now, but, um, you know, that was always like, I want her coming in like in transition, almost ready to push, because then she was left alone, right? Everyone just like backs away, to, honestly. Yeah. And um, but when when a woman transfers to a hospital and is, you know, taken in, first of all, she goes to triage, which is like where you know the formation of triage was this typically in war and like who needs help first. Right. But, but this is where this woman who's about to give birth goes to be assessed. They put her in a wheelchair, which what does that already tell a woman? I need help. Right. Um, um I'm a patient, right. They, they give her a gown, right. Where's the identity. Why does she need a gown? You know, And then you typically go into a room where the bed is like the only thing in the room. Well, a, a, a laboring woman does not want to be laying in a bed. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. you need to be moving, you need to be creating space. And, and, and she needs a, a, an environment of, of calm, right? Like most women go in labor at night. Right? We're mammals. And and we we when when the sun would go down when we weren't out when predators weren't hunting us, it was safest for us to give birth. Right? So we go in caves where it's dark, and quiet. We give birth. It's like our uterus, our our muscles are shaped where if we felt a threat, there's these these muscles that um cover the the cervix where those muscles can tighten to keep the baby in, to protect the child, right? And so if a woman feels threatened, if she's transferred to an environment where she feels is a threat, hospital, birth attendant, student, (laughs) all the people who are coming in, those muscles tighten, and then a baby's trying to progress and move down, and so she's feeling this intensity. So it's working against her innate system, to relax and bird this baby because she feels threat, right? So, um, it, it, it really makes it. I don't even know where, where I went off on this, but it really makes it difficult for a woman for her not to be in an environment that is creating calm and confidence in, in this, this process. That the the mother knows what to do the baby knows exactly what to do and yes, thank goodness for technology and thank goodness for these these doctors who can intervene when when needed you know when babies are in distress when when a woman is hemorrhaging but to to have this fear based based approach and intervene with a natural physiological process we're doing a disservice to the woman yeah. and it's more than just physically because I work with women now who are processing their birth, right? Still processing their birth. And it matters. You know, and it matters to that baby. That's the that's a baby's first home, right? And how are we intervening? What, is, what does that feel like? You know, if we're breaking the bag and then we're doing this and we're, um, you know, given Pitocin where it's artificially causing these contractions what is going on to the baby's environment right there's cellular memory there so anyway
0: yeah I love that (laughs) Sinazolv Grav talks about that he's uh, Mm, mm -hmm. inventor of holotropic breath work one of the probably on the uh the Mount Rushmore of, of great psychonaut teachers in the world, you know, fantastic. But he talks about that, the psychology of birth is one of the, the first major wounds, you know, to sure. the psyche. And, um, yeah, I mean, I look at the differences between Stanford, which was great. We had a great doctor, but, you know, everything, all the interventions they want to do. I mean, we had, a, we had a, a list of things saying like, hey, we're not doing any of these interventions right now. I brought my own organic K, vitamin K. Um, we don't want the drops. I don't want the shots. I don't want any of this stuff. And every nurse would come in at like 1am, 3am, 5am loading a syringe. I'm like, dude, <laughs> like it's written here. I don't want to have to watch, you know, like a hawk. Like yeah. I had to watch like a hawk. Yeah, you do. And then when we were, you know, we got bright lights, we had a curtain in the middle of our room with a preemie next to us, which is unfortunate, but like, no, that's not the move. You know, and and the bright the bright lights too in the middle of the night. Every time they'd come in to check on us or check on them, they just flip the switch. So these giant ass bright lights go on to us and to the baby. And um, you know, you take that to Wolf's birth. Tosh was on the toilet, and the midwife was rubbing warmed organic olive oil all over her downstairs. And she came when she was ready. She came over and squatted right next to the bed. And I leaned down and caught Wolf. Yep. And like, there was no laying down. There was no anything. She moved around. She went from toilet back to the bed. She was on all fours. Then she just squat, And and there it was, you know, like it was that easy, that fast. And um, then she had all the care at the house in her own bed. You know, they, they were pros. They had um, two sheets down mm-hmm. with like a, a layer in between. So they just pulled Pull the it. top layer all the way off, <laughs> washed it for us. You know, I was like, that that is this is genius. Yeah. This is genius. And um we had soups made and all sorts of stuff ready to go and just relaxed.
1: Well, and you know? a woman is comfortable. You know the 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 larynx, the throat and the vagina are almost identical in anatomical structure. And there's a connection between our, our voice, right? Our vocal cords and our pelvic floor. They almost look identical as well. And so And labor, you know, to open the cervix, for a woman to really open up, we have her use her voice. And so, like, as a doula, I would often moan, start moaning, low, deep moans to help a woman get comfortable moaning and using her voice to start opening up. Um, And when a woman is home, she's more comfortable doing that. You know, swaying and moving our body, finding our own rhythm, really cl- like closing our eyes, going inward, being vocal. You know, you're at a hospital, you're like, oh, I'm so sorry. I don't want to, you know, yeah. I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want everyone to hear me. Or uh-huh. They're going to think I'm crazy. Like, no, this is so important, right? And a woman needs to feel that f- complete freedom, right? Um, yeah. That's, there's a deep connection there. I think I told you, I'm like, if, if, if there's any resistance, like, you know, moan with her or, or kiss her, start kissing her. It'll relax everything during birth.
0: They talk about that in, um, the nourishing traditions book and baby and child book about how like walking sex and anything that would release oxytocin, uh, so petting your dog, Holding each other. We watched the the night before Wolf came out. Uh we watched The Proposal with Ryan Reynolds and Sandra Bullock. <laughs> it's a shitty old rom-com, which we love. And we just laughed and held each other and watched that, you know, and it was like snuggle time, mm-hmm. relaxation. Um, she let me sleep for three hours as she was starting to increase contractions. We hit them up, they were over at four, everything was set. 436 wolves in my hands.
1: Wow.
0: You know, on a full moon on fourth yes. of July, too. So tell that. me that shit doesn't matter. <laughs> oh you know? it matters. Like, <laughs> oh
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> tell me that doesn't wow. matter. Um so super, yeah. I, I mean that the process has been and I'm happy we did it both ways to yeah, really see the me difference. Too. You know? I did the
1: same with my absolutely, mm-hmm. you know.
0: Um, and I do understand, you know, the desire to be in a hospital for your first time. If you don't know how it's gonna go, those kind of things, but that that need can still be met by having a game plan of, hey, we're going to do this at home, and this is the first place that my widow, midwife or my partner is going to take me to if shit goes wrong. And yeah. we'll have time.
1: Absolutely. right There's
0: enough time to still go there and get medical care if necessary, but well, let's try it here first. Right,
1: and it's just not approaching birth out of fear. Mm-hmm.
0: That's like my neighbor. That's what I asked him. I was like, damn, dude, that's next level. I told him that's next level. And he said, you know what? I came to a point where, you know, the labor was taking a long time and I just had to like grit down and pray, you know? And I was like, fuck yeah, yeah, dude. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, and they have an incredible kid, perfectly healthy, perfectly awesome. You know, what an experience. So there's so much, I mean, I, I, I get it. I know we just cracked an hour here, but I want to ask you, um, what are some of the ways that men can support their daughters through the process of changes, you know? Mm-hmm. And what are some of the ways that men can support their partners through the changing, you know, of the mother to the wild woman to the crone?
1: Yeah. Um, I think first is just learning about a woman's rhythm. Like understanding that she's, she's all the seasons, Right, understanding um, how how she moves through her month, um, and and really start embracing that beauty within her. Right, so get to know her. We can't, you know, we we can't expect men to understand us if they don't understand us. Like that's what we have to see as women, right? And and we have to guide them. Um. So gosh. That makes me think of the bison story mm. okay, we may have to go back to the bison, but um so one get get to know download my ebook <laughs> no but get to get to know a woman's cycles like we we are in tune with the rhythms of nature and it is a beautiful thing so get to get to know uh, a woman and get to know what her cycles are and um for a dad it's it's being attuned to maybe what she needs, and once you learn those rhythms, you'll you'll know that. Or just saying, "How can I help?" Or being willing, you know, really get in touch with yourself. Like in the ebook, it, there's a contemplation page that's like, you know, when I say these words, how do you respond?
0: That's brilliant. Are close you closing yeah. yeah. Close your eyes. When, when I did that, and I was happy. I. Passed the test in my eyes. I don't know. Maybe if I had it recorded, I'd see see like a face flicker or something. But our problem
1: relationship. Our problem
0: with blood. Our problem with any of the terminology that's natural as a part of the 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 human experience. Right? Yeah. Like if if there is some knee jerk reaction in there, it's our duty as fathers and husbands to do the self work to get over that shit because it doesn't serve us.
1: Well, and I think I think for so many men, like your first home is a woman's womb. That is your first home. You You grew, you evolved to the rhythm of your mother's heartbeat, right? You were washed in the blood of birth. Do you know your birth story? So many men I know don't know their birth story because women tend to start learning about their birth story when they're, become pregnant. So many men do not know about their time in the womb. You may, if you've done a journey, you may go back there. Many men do. Um, so, you know, what was that like? What was it? it were your relationship with your primary caregiver, with your mother during her, t- her cycle or during birth? You know, we, we moved birth out of the home. So all of a sudden we weren't in tune with what that looked like and how natural that was. You know, this would could be another podcast, but birth and death, I really, true, truly believe, need to come back to the home. Um, but and also, you came to me in a dream, months. Mm. I think I. Oh, I started telling you this. At you this didn't tell Cal We didn't get it. to you. Can't, well, when <laughs> Kyle Kingsbury <laughs> comes into your dream, <laughs> no, sorry, babe, <laughs> that was the other dream. I'm going about this. One. No. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, babe. Um, it was you came to me in a dream, actually when I was writing this book, and um, you said um, it had something to do with a miscarriage, and and I don't know if if that relate like resonates with you, but you said to me, um, you really need to help men with this. Because we're not really allowed to talk about it and share it, and men need to process it too. And um, and yes, we do. A go, we go and attend to the mother; she's she's having to deal with it physically, emotionally. But sometimes we forget the impact it makes, it has on the dad. And what that, with that loss feels and it's not processed in a man you know women women process it physically from from releasing and birthing and bleeding but men don't and it it gets that energy gets stuck and i i i think we need to pay more attention to that process for men I think for for miscarriages that men also experience I also think after birth what what they experience because the the care and attention shifts from a man from their partner to the child our our hormones make sure that is so for the survival of this child but often men are are, are felt a little left behind. And I think I think that is a void that we really that needs attention. And really helping men transition through through this time and process this this grief. So um, and I think as as women we need to do it in our feminine essence and we need to guide and care for you guys. And I truly believe like when we can make that connection and when you can feel that nurturing, that translates to to your nurturing and how you care for other people. But I do think that that is a piece that's missing for men and that that there's a yearning um, and, a, and a, a, a void there in yeah. regards to a few of those. Absolutely. Circumstances.
0: Absolutely. I think a, a typical feeling is, is the the woman can have guilt and blame and shame around losing the child. And it's it really is the focus yeah. of the man. Like, I got to be the mountain. I got to yep. hold this, you know, and make sure that she knows that it's okay and that it does happen and that um, there is no blame. There is no guilt. There yeah. is nothing. There's none of that, you know. Yep. But then still, like, yeah, it's... I mean, fuck it! It hits.
1: Yeah, yeah. It hits hard. Yeah. So in my dream, you said you need to talk about this. You need to help men with this. That was the dream. And when you come in the dream, like you kind of listen. <laughs> <laughs> You're not one to, to to ignore. Um. Yeah. Yeah. Well, love I'm, you, Peyton.
0: I love you, buddy. Where can yeah. people find your book? Where yeah. can people look into you working with you and all the good stuff that you oh, offer? To all the, the world? good
1: stuff. Yeah. So, um The Dad's Guide and, you know, even if you just have a a woman in your life, I think it's a great little cheat sheet, right? It's under 25 pages. It's a great cheat sheet to just get to learn the rhythm of a woman. Um at PeytonCallahan.com. Um, and yes, I do mother-daughter courses. I have the ebook available. I've got a fun, like, period preparation kit. I've um, got all kind of goodies on there. Um, and yeah, I, I work with women um, energetically um, to help surface how emotions and perceptions um, are presenting physically, and and help them to clear some of some of that i love it um and based on my dream maybe i consider doing that with guys too yeah absolutely (laughs) yeah but yeah peyton is the easiest place to reach me and
0: we'll link to it in the show notes mm -hmm. thank you so much absolutely
1: love you buddy i love you big time